Today, the topic of our sermon is the lasting impact of a godly mother. Because of its Mother's Day, I decided to speak on Mother's Day theme, uh, something that would edify not only the moms in our, in, our, in our midst, but the husbands and the fathers who could journey and support together with these moms. The one caveat, it is not my aim to give you complete list of profile of a godly mom. So you could actually put your guard down and, and, and this, is, this is something very real for us and my aim is not to give a so idealistic list and profile that it will discourage young moms. And this is something that we all can participate together. And the next month, we're going to actually speak on Father's Day and, and godly fatherhood. So today, I actually want to take one example. There's several godly moms and examples, and starting with Jesus' mom, Mary, and Samuel's mom, Hannah. And the list goes on and on in, in the Bible. And then if we cover every single one of them, and even kind of cherry-picking some of the characteristics and put it together, it will be overwhelming. So I found a one person that we could all relate to, a very ordinary man and his mother. And I'll explain why Timothy is someone who's really close to my heart. But Timothy had mom by the name of Eunice and his grandma, Lois, and their influence. And we're going to take that as an example and share what are a few things, two, three things that all moms can do to make a lasting impact. Before we go into the text itself, here's something that I'd like to do. Let's restore the high calling of motherhood. The motherhood is not something that is fuzzy and culturally confusing, but it is definite and clear call of God. There are three things I would like to think about. First of all, motherhood is not a culturally confused burden, but a God-given task and privilege, privilege of all mothers. And you all know that when you think about perfect example, a perfect human being who ever lived was sinless, someone we could always want to be more imitating after and pursuing after. Who is Jesus Christ? And Jesus Christ is God the Son, the perfect God and perfect man. And because of the cultural confusion, I think the, the theological confusion comes and goes like this. Because God is referred to us as a father, and God must be a man. So there must be the reason for we need to be more like men. But when you think about it, in the beginning, there was nothing. Out of nothing, God created. So where did the femininity 
femininity and masculinity come out from God. That's why Jesus is a perfect example of a mother and perfect example of a father as well. And, you know, you know, in a sense, I'm talking. I'm not talking about the role, but perfect femininity or or the masculinity. What we could admire and pursue after. So in that sense, when you think about God-given role, God has given mothers, women, uh, innately gifted way. And there are some things that you know dads can try as much, but innately, women are far more gifted in, in some aspect. And as I mentioned, uh, in the middle of our boys' crisis, and they look for mom. Of course, so that's natural, we say. But there are some things that I cannot do, although I consider myself as very compassionate, affectionate. So I want them to come to me, but they will go to God. I mean, they'll go to, they'll go to mom. And it's incredible to see that bond. It's a very good thing. Culturally confused, why do I say that? Lately, um, not to mention femi feminism, the movement, the liberal, liberation of woman in some sense, the self-worth of woman continually points to what she can produce uh, in a career, you know, in a work situation that uh, women are not any less than men. The cultural confusion is this. The identity is confused with equality. Men and women are equal in all sense, worthwise. But men and women are not identical. God created differently. But hence the reason why when you think about the motherhood, it's not because the motherhood is something that we should all drive all the women to stay in. But it is really true that in spite of all this freedom and the self-worth and uh, actualization that people can have, compared to all these, the motherhood is still higher value. It is God-given privilege and task. Number two, motherhood is not a menial role, but a foundationally crucial role in a human society. So menial role means that there's a lot of diaper changing. How many times, I, I think I heard uh, recently Peter was saying something, 15 times a day going through that. Wow, I don't remember that. But mostly the mom who stays home and who changes and cleans and uh, when, when your baby barks and you take care of, all that menial work is there. But is that it? What scripture says to us is it, simply put, when we see a godly mom we will see godly home. 
So we see godly home along with godly uh, uh, dad, of course. We will see godly, God-centered, spiritually vital church community. When the church is alive, the city will be spiritually alive. When the city is spiritually alive, the whole nation will be alive, alive spiritually. It is most important role in a human society. No wonder Abraham Lincoln said uh, similar to that fact about his mother. And third and last one, I'm going to just kind of summarize it this way. Motherhood is not a preference of a few mothers because of their personality. They're motherly. But a high calling of all mothers for the kingdom of God. Someone, one writer uh, rightly said, what mother can do might not be much for the kingdom of God. But who mother, whom mother can raise, there's no, no limit. We talk about Moses' mother, and because of Moses' mother, Moses basically became a, a leader of nation and God's tool uh, always as a type of Christ was compared in the Old Testament as a mediator between God and man. And today's example will be Timothy. And Timothy is the, uh, one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to that. So I grew up in a Christian family, my mom and my grandma was all Christian. My dad was a non-Christian. He was a medical doctor who actually wanted to kind of lure my mom in. And I, I kind of joked about just because he's a, he's a medical doctor, you sold yourself out. The only good thing came out is me. Uh, it, was, it was a joke. But... Timothy was half Jew. His father was a Greek, which means the father's side, there's no spiritual heritage and training at all, whatsoever. But in spite of this family, uh, Timothy's mother and Timothy's grandmother's impact on, on him was tremendous. So we'll ex explore a little bit more. So there are three things I see as an example and something that we could emulate in um, Timothy's mother and grandmother. The first one is, oh, the first one is uh, something to do with scripture. But before we go into that, let's look at, let me give you a quote on Walter Chantley. Chantley, um, he writes about the high calling of motherhood. He, he writes, what is involved in, the, in motherhood? After, high, after birth pangs bring children into the world, there comes years of life pangs. It is a mother's task and privilege to oversee the forging of a personality in her sons and daughters. For this, she must set a tone in the home 
which builds strong character. Here it is to take great Christian principles and practically apply them in everyday affairs, doing it simply and naturally. It is her responsibility to analyze each child mentally, physically, socially, spiritually. Talents are to be developed, virtues must be instilled, faults are to be patiently corrected, young sinners are to be evangelized. She is building men and women for God. Results may not be visible until she has labored for 15 or 20 years. Even when her task ends, the true measure of her work awaits the full maturity of her, maturity of her children. There is much more to it than the worldly images. Take it seriously, and God will bless the generation to come. So three things from Timothy's mother's example and grandmother's example. Here's the first one. What godly mother does to make a lasting impact on her children. A godly mother saturates her children in the word of God from infancy. Verse 14 of 2 Timothy 3, But as for you, continue in what you have heard and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The, in this passage itself, it doesn't say who, but we, we will refer to that uh, in, uh, in a, just in a moment. Chapter 1, beginning of his, uh, Paul's letter, he clarifies and talks about um, Timothy's grandma, Lois, and Timothy's mother, Eunice. Did you notice that? From childhood, from infancy, T Timothy was acquainted with sacred writings. Remember the realistic examples and principles here. We're not talking about you become moms in our, uh, in our amidst us, become theologians and scholars at all. We're talking about being intentional about bringing God's word and planting the seeds of God's word in the young minds. Let's compare the cultural aspects of our. The more church becomes a consumer-oriented, what happens is moms can, and dads also, can think of a church and Sunday school one hour as spiritual training, education. Drop them up and do some wonder that make sure that my kid becomes a Christian, make sure that he or she doesn't go do weird things. And this passive mentality 
is actually something that we need to be corrected. A godly mother, a day-to-day in an everyday life, saturates her children with God's word. By reading, by posting, by listening, by singing. I, I think no wonder, you know, whenever we see Cindy and Bo and when Cindy posts something about Lauren, we're amazed about the values that Lauren already picked up. Did you see when Lauren actually gets it about, you know, Disney princess story? I could almost picture Cindy reading scripture to her and telling the stories to her, which is deviation from biblical truth, which is a uh, Disney princess story is the princess, the, the girl, her hope is on this man who comes and do does wonder and, you know, prince and, prince and white horse or what, whatever that is. And not in the feminism way, but in a biblical character, every child, every prince, and every girl, every boy needs Jesus as at the center. Jesus will never just uh, break the promises. Men will do. My example. I'm, I'm glad that, that Timothy... The grandmother, Lois, was involved. And we could almost imagine grandmother Lois's relationship with Eunice in the similar way of mother, godly mother's lasting impact. And when you have both, it's a double impact. When I was a child, my grandma, my mom's side, lived with us. My childhood memory is filled with Coming home, being bored, my grandma will be reading scripture with joy. She, she's not doing homework for anything. She's just enjoying it. And she sees me with think, twinkling with her eyes and said, Come here, Paul. You want to hear the story? And she will read the Daniel story, Joseph's story. And I liked it so much that I asked her to read it over and over. And then when I was growing up a little more, she would ask me to read the scripture with her. In the similar fashion, I've seen my mom reading scripture on her own. It would encourage me to memorize the scripture. The running theme for this message is that young moms, you could do this. You don't have to be perfect. But as you're valuing the scripture in your life, as your lamp uh, unto your feet and light into your path, that you depend on God's guidance through scripture, you continually talk about in a sense, we do that, don't we? 
in our relationship with mom, I mean relationship with our kids. Our children will pick up stuff. And we already do that. But we, if we are mindful about this example, that we don't have to be a big scholar to continually share and saturate our children in the word of God. Second thing is as crucial as the first one. A godly mother models a sincere faith to her children. Going back to uh, chapter 1, verse 5, when Paul mentions Timothy's grandmother and mother specifically, he writes this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, of faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Okay, this is the, the part that we could fail miserably. Did you see that? Is, is uh, Lois' grandmother, Eunice, the mother, is he, are they trying to do something, anything to the grandson or grand, uh, her son? No. Themselves, they are pursuing God passionately. Their faith was real, sincere, without guile, without duplicity, without, without the difference between public faith and the private faith at home. And that is real. Maybe another way of putting it is transformation never happens with information only. When information is different from the real life and character, it causes more problem within us as a children. So it is important to pursue God ourselves. And, and, and uh, all the moms at Crossway, and listen to me, if you do this one thing well at, at your home, and you will make a lasting impact, really. You become passionate about pursuing God. And you be honest and sincere about your faith. You admit your wrongs. And you, put up, you don't put up guards. And you don't put up facade. And your faith is not hypocritical. Your children will be deeply impacted. My, back to my example again. When I was growing up, my grandma would talk about loving neighbor. It wasn't just the information that Jesus said love, the Good Samaritan story also too. But oftentimes, I think I was only four or five years old that she would take me to carry these uh, newspapers and things that we could recycle. And no one back then really recycled other than the really dirt poor people. But the reason why she's doing that, that she will get some money and go to the street market and their the widows are sitting on the side road. All they have is on their head. And when they put down, that's their little store. They live day by day that way. 
and she will give them rice. Like this is 60s, the people are poor, and money. And then my grandma will take me to the streets. And she's a very introverted, shy woman. And she has a distract. And she gives me some, and she will have some, and then she will just hand it out. Have a good day. Believe in Jesus Christ. As a young mind, her faith was real. Once again, my, my mom would pray for me, and when I'm going through some tough time or when I'm sick, and she will fast. You know, in the midst of cooking, she will cook, but usually when people fast and they go to retreat center or whatnot, but for five days straight or seven days straight, she will cook for the family and fast. We're talking about not juice fast or anything like that, complete fast. And she will hang on to God. Honestly, when I was growing up, I was so uh, wild and rambunctious kid and, and rascal, basically. My, my brother was more book reader and geeky, and everyone thought that he was smart enough to become a pastor in the, sometime in the future. Kent, Kent will tell, tell you that, right? So never they imagined that I would become a pastor. And I could testify it is this authentic, sincere faith I saw in my grandmother and my mother. And their impact on me, there were times, I, I, I believe me, you know, I was an early maturing adolescent. When I was sixth grade and seventh grade, I did everything the teenager used to do. I, believe me, it started the smoking and trying drinking things and and I obviously didn't go far, but in a dirty magazine, you, you mean it. You, you, you mentioned all the things. But every time when I go off a little bit too far, there was a pool. Of, and by now I know that it's the Holy Spirit pulling me. But it's the real sincere faith of my mother and my grandma. I couldn't deny the fact that God exists and God is alive. God is watching over me. In some sense, in young mind, I understood God is sovereign. I'm not exaggerating. When I made one step toward really passionately follow Christ, which coincides the immigration also to my ninth grade and tenth grade and doing that. My buddies who took another step to the other way become a really professional street gang members. And some of them might have not lived beyond 20s. Let's make this very clear. 
we're not talking about just the passive protection of our kids from the evil and bad things. We're talking about uh, intentionally, proactively modeling for the real faith and the, the God who is worthy enough for our all devotion, which leads to the third component of a godly mother. Godly mother trains her children as men and women of God who impact the world for Christ. Verse 14, it, uh, Paul begins with this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and how have firmly believed. Remember, transformation doesn't come only with information. So what is it? Their example, their modeling. But coupled with that, the God-given tool for this training was Scripture. To them, it was the Old Testament. To us, we have Old and New Testament together. And then Paul, by the authority of God, and revealed uh, the inspiration of God, he writes about Scripture this way. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Did you see that? Scripture has everything that man and woman of God needs equipped for every good work. Temptation in our culture, we look, we look to self-help books. We look to experts. We look to... Um, psychologists, and all these pragmatic solutions, some of them could be very helpful. So I'm not saying that we should you know, deny all these things, turn away from it, because all truth is God's truth. But we're talking about authority. Where does authority falls on? According to this description of Scripture, God's Word supersedes all human spiritual authorities, lasting principles of life, alive in this scripture. This, this is meant to encourage you not to provoke any guilt. And maybe at least a self-examination though. When was the last time you are worried about your children and went to to the Bible. Wasn't it easy to just turn to whatever that is available online and quick fixes and people's advice? What does Bible say about disciplining your children? What does Bible say about character of a child, developing a child? We ought to use this. My example again. 
in my upbringing, my, my mother did several things wrong. I mean, my, my dad was more self-controlled uh, in terms of discipline. He called us into meeting uh, in his office. He's, you know, my brother and I were only one and a half year old apart. So we used to fist fight every, almost every day. So in the fume of it, and he will let us sit down in his office, and he will turn to his work. Basically, think about what you did wrong for 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> After 15, 20 minutes, I forgot what I, why I was so angry. I am ready to confess anything, right? So in a, in a human sense, he was the right person in consistency. My mom would just take the broomstick and just chase after us. But I do remember my mom, whenever she gets really, really serious, it's, it's about honesty. She will read a scripture and tell me, I'd rather you have you break this jar five times in a row because I did a lot of, a lot of breaking. <laughs> but never, ever lie. Son, live before God's eyes. That was his, her thing was. And Joseph's story was constantly reminded. Remember Joseph was able to escape the temptation because he lived as if God watches him every moment of his life. That he respect God and fear God that much. And guess what happens in my, child, uh, in my parenting? Our four boys. They could do whatever they could do, and it will not be that severe. But when it comes to honesty, if you're not honest, and look at, look at my eyes, and you are not lying, what, what, does God, what does dad care about the most? And you will say, honesty. Ingrained it in me. So in my ministry, Integrity, it's a fancy word, but being honest in every direction became utterly most important aspect of who I am as a, as a minister of God. But before that, let me be honest with you. I might give away just a little bit too much, but a little hint for Father's Day. The, I consider the role of a father in my life is more important than the role of a pastor. And I'll explain why. You, you make sure you don't misunderstand me. Come back and listen on Father's Day. There's a training aspect of in our parenting. That training must be intentional. We need to, in other words, set, us set aside time but also, it should be spontaneous, serendipitous, as a lifestyle. And as you're eating, as you're walking, there is a conversation that spring up. Those are the teaching, moldable moments. What is sad is that many Christians, parents, 
well-meaning Christian parents and pass on the values of becoming their son become socially, educationally successful and wealthy. But there is silence about Christian values, scripture values. My, my warning to you, I have some friends whose sons and daughters have done really well and to, went to really good schools and made a good profession on their own, but they're not walking with God and they became spiritual cynics. In the light of eternity, what would you want? Do you want worldly successful kids who walk away from God or the kids who grew up might not be on the top of their class, the top of their uh, career, but passionately pursue God. What does the Bible say about eternity? And this kind of shoots back to, to our own life. Do I really pursue that in my own personal faith with God? Do I pursue God as a most treasured person? Above all else, or do I continually seek other things or persons more? The best contribution that a godly mom can make for the kingdom of God is raising God, godly children, godly men, and woman of God. How about Timothy's case? Do you, do you remember Timothy was an introverted, shy person? And actually Paul said, said uh, I remember your tears in first part of his letter. Tears of what? Is it, he was a very sensitive man and very, very uh, man who has a weak heart. So I want you to have a spirit of, God has not given us spirit of timidity, but love and confidence. Be, be strong. And in chapter 2, verse 8, eight um, he writes, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel of, by the power of God. I'm sorry, that's a, 2 Timothy chapter 1.8. Do not be ashamed of me. I'm a prisoner right now, but I want you to share suffering for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. Hebrews 13.23 kind of gives us the continuation of what happened. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it, but he's, he writes at the end of that as, as greeting, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released. Released from what? Prison. <coughs> Timothy too became a prisoner of the, for the gospel of Christ, with whom I shall see you if he comes 
soon. So there's three things from today's example. A godly mother can make a lasting impact by saturating her children in the word of God. By modeling sincere faith. Real, authentic faith. Even if she makes some mistakes, other things also do. And even struggles in her faith. As long as it, you are authentic and sincere and pursuit of God. And, and thirdly, this training for the purpose of raising men, godly men and women of God, for the kingdom of God, dreaming for that. I know many of you think that you have long years of parenting. But, you know, from, from my personal experience, it just scares me to think about Soren's 15. We have three more years. I'm not ready. <laughs> what, what the point that I'm making is our job as a parenting is a slowly letting our children go to become men and women of God who stands alone, who makes an impact, rather than it become my own possession. Can we really release to God and God bless my children, take them, give them your heart, let them go anywhere you want. Let them obey anything that you give them. And there's no except, you know, where boy and Cindy is, or those grandpa, the, the weird grandpa. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. A little bit of weird and glimpse of joy. When we do that, those three simple things, Proverbs 31, verse 28 and 20. To 31 gives us an actual picture of joy and celebration. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. In some sense, we're making you guys are making difference. And I saw uh, my children's card, Mother's Day card, to Kate. And so similar sentences come up. They will not use this sentence, but say, Mom, you are the best mom in the whole wild world. They, they mean it. And I'm grateful for Kate being that mom. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. And my prayer for all the moms in this room that God will encourage you today and God will anoint the, your high calling of motherhood as you continually saturate your children with God's word and model sincere faith 
and trains them intentionally and serendipitously in your life for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, for the joy of a godly mother, expressed in Proverbs 31. Let's pray. Gracious God, our Father, thank you for the moms in this room, and we pray those three characteristics of a godly mother, you will take them and plant them and encourage them to cultivate in their everyday life. And we pray for all the children under the moms at Crossway, and we pray that they will become solid men and women of God who impact the world for Christ. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.